0: Coming to you from Classic City,
1: the capital of the
0: Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our good friends at Alumni Hall. I'm your host, Tyler, and I am joined once again after... A two or so week absence by my longtime co-host, Curtis, who is now, well, we can't say officially a lawyer, right? But has taken the bar exam, Curtis. Tell us a little bit about that experience, man.
1: Um, You know, it was a, what, eight week grind for a two day hell session. And then I think the worst part is now we are going to be waiting till the end of September for scores. So it's going That's to be a nice little time. Crazy. That's
0: torture, man. That's torture.
1: It is. I think, I think that's the worst part.
0: How do you feel about it? I mean, I know you texted me after the first day and you were like, yeah, I'm taking it again in February. And I was like, uh-oh. So was it that
1: bad? I, yeah, it's pretty bad. I think it's, I mean, I don't, I don't want to speak for anyone else who's taking it, but I think the consensus is that it's just one of those tests that it's more of how bad do you think you did compared to how good do you think you did?
0: Yeah, that's my, that was my thing for you. I was like, well, yeah, I know you probably feel really bad about it, but doesn't everybody else, like, wasn't everybody else walking out of there feeling something very similar to you?
1: Yeah, that's how it seemed.
0: On a scale of 1 to 10, Curtis, how much relief are you feeling right now? Now that you've gone through law school, you put your three years in, you've studied for the bar, you've taken the bar, now I know you're waiting, but what's the relief level right now?
1: I think I, I feel relieved come, you know, September 30th, we'll have a new discussion because if it comes back, then it'll be just full relief.
0: I know man. I like I know I'm agonizing over it for you, so I can't imagine what it's gotta be like for you. I know that's gotta
1: be tough, but
0: you know what? At least we have the football season to occupy our minds a little bit, right? For at least I'm Yeah, that's a
1: that's the good time. part. We we get we get this to uh we get to talk UJ football, take your mind off everything else that may, may be going on in life.
0: I mean Curse, let's just be real, this is all that matters, man. Come on. Law school, who cares? I'm, for example, I who won't care this order football, man. Come on. Come on. Perspective, man. Perspective. All right, Kurt. It's great to have you back, man. I'm really glad you're back with me. Are you ready to roll? Yep. Let's get it. Let's make it happen. All right. So you guys know what's going on right now. Fall camp officially opens today. Curtis and I are sitting here Thursday afternoon recording this. And fall camp serves a couple of different purposes. It helps you work on you, as Kirby likes to say. You get a lot of fundamental work in. Guys grow. They get better. New guys emerge fall practice is also a time to continue that offensive and defensive installation for the coming year that you start during the spring practice and new players get their first taste of college practice. I know we had quite a few early enrollees here for the spring. but We've got some new guys in for the summer and maybe most importantly, a number of different position battles will be decided over the next couple of weeks. And I mean, you guys know the list, you know, the, the names, The list of impact impact players that departed the program after our national championship run is long. But over the next couple of weeks, the battles to replace those guys will play out. And we're going to find out who's ready to step up and fill those voids. So that's where we're going to start because I think that's the most fascinating part of fall camp. So, Curtis, let's go ahead and dive right into this, man. Let's start at cornerback. This is the first position I want to focus on because this is the one personally for me, I don't know about you, Curtis, but for me, this is the one that concerns me the most. And I'm talking specifically about the field cornerback spot. We all know Keely Ringo. He is the guy at boundary corner, write his name in, in Sharpie. and He got better and better as the year went on last year. Now he has a chance. I think Kurt to insert himself into the first round draft pick conversation. If he puts together the kind of year that I think he's capable of, but the field corner is a big old question mark right now. We are very limited in terms of experience at that position. Essentially, have no meaningful experience at that spot. But the good thing is we aren't lacking in either quantity of options or the overall talent level. So there's at least that. So Kurt, who do you see as the front runners for that field cornerback battle right now?
1: Off the top of my head, there's two names that really come to mind, and you have to start with. Um Kamari Wilcox and Nylon Green, Kamari Lassiter. Kamari Lassiter, wow, my yeah, sorry, my mind's still not back. Still on everyone. vacation, but yeah. Kamari Lasseter and Nyland Green, yes. Yeah, or, um, and I would probably put Lassiter ahead of Green, but those are going to be the two right now that are really, I think, in the highest of contention.
0: Yeah, last year was the guy that was working with the number one defense. Most of spring practice, we did not get to see it, Get to see him at G-Day, unfortunately, because he came down with an illness just before the day came. So, you know, he was out. We, we saw it was actually William Poole that was out there at cornerback. So that was unfortunate. I want to get a chance to see him in action. We saw him a little bit in action last year. But I want to see him with, a, with another full spring practice under his belt. We did see a good bit of nylon Green at spring practice, though, or at G-Day. And I was impressed with what I saw from now. Of course, he was a guy this time last year that a lot of us were thinking was a guy that was going to factor into the uh, rotation of sorts or at least be a guy that could could fill that void, especially once we signed him before we landed Darion Kendrick in the transfer portal. Before we signed Kendrick, it was like, man, Nylon Green might need to be that guy that comes in and plays right away. Ultimately, we know we ended up landing Kendrick and, and the rest was history. Green really didn't see any action at all last year, any meaningful action whatsoever. What did you like from him? At G day, what did you see from his game that you thought puts him in contention for that spot?
1: Well, I think what jumps out at you is just athleticism. I mean, you go back to his high school days. If I remember correctly, I think he even you know saw reps as the return guy, wide receiver, did it all as like truly an athlete for Newton High School. And so, and that's the one thing you see. I mean, he's got the body type and he has those quick twitch um and he's able to turn those hips he just has everything they look for in a cornerback um and I think that those skill sets also allow him to play the ball well in the air
0: you're exactly right Chris. I mean he's a really talented guy he's got the physical tools I agree with everything you said there I would say though I think you can say a lot of the same things about Kamari Laster. in fact I think Laster might be a little bit longer than Nyland Green is yeah I think he's got to I agree that Lassiter
1: Lassiter looks a little bit more lanky, especially in the arms. And I think, from my perspective, what separates them right now is going back into last year. I don't know if it was exactly when Nyland Green got in trouble, but it seemed like Lassiter was the one that got on the field quicker and more consistently. I know it is usually garbage time, but it just shows he was the first one to trot out there. Um, And they, you know, rumor is that he, you know, was a little bit quicker at picking up the system. So I think that while their skill set is very similar it it really came down to just how quickly they were he was able to pick it up
0: and i was impressed by last year cuz he was a guy he was not an early enrollee he was not a mid year guy he was a true summer guy he was a, sur- a summer enrollee so fall camp was the first time he was out there on the practice field with the georgia bulldogs in the red and black and for him to make a move up the depth chart now you're right he didn't play like meaningful minutes meaningful snaps but he was out there before a guy like Nyland green was and i thought when he got opportunities kind of like Dejan Edwards, a running back. When he got opportunities, I thought he played well. You know, he, can only, he can't only can help who he's put out there against. All he can control is how he plays, how he performs. I thought he did a really good job. I'm curious, though, Curtis, what do you think about this really talented crop of incoming freshmen? Dalen Everett, who was here in the spring, Jaheim Singletary, Julio Humphrey as well, Marcus Washington Jr. has reclassified to, to be a part of this class. Do you think any of those guys in this 2022 class have a chance to push... For that starting spot,
1: if anyone did, my money would probably be on Dalen Everett, and I think that was more of him coming in early. I mean, we've seen that sometimes kids can come in um, at the regular time with everyone else and make moves, but I think cornerback is a different position because not only there's just so much that goes into it of picking up the system, but also being technically sound. When you're going against a lot of these skilled guys who especially in the SEC, you have you go against great wide receivers and experienced and polished receivers. So I think it's it's more difficult for someone to make an impact if they don't arrive early at that position.
0: I tend to agree with that, Curtis. I I think the key word here is trust, because we know who coaches secondary, Curtis. I mean, obviously you got Fran Brown coming in as the designated defensive back coach. But Will Muschamp's the secondary guy. Kirby Smart's the secondary guy. He spends a lot of time in the practice field. and he moves all around more than he used to as a head coach, but he still spends a lot of time with the secondary. The key word there is trust. We put guys back there mm. that we trust. If we don't trust you, we are not going to put you back there because in the back end, you make a mistake, and it's six for the other team. That, that, that's just the reality. You give explosive plays, and you simply cannot give up explosive plays on defense and consistently win games. And you're right. You get a head start in earning the coach's trust if you come in as a mid-year guy and you get those reps during spring practice. Everett got those reps. Now, he still got to learn. His head was swimming, obviously, during the spring. But I do think that gives him a leg up on the other guys. And I like him athletically, too. He's a little bit different. He's a little bit more – he's a little bit better put together. He's a more of a physical corner than a guy like Singletary or Humphrey or Washington Jr., so he's, a little, he's built a little bit differently, but I really like his skill set. I mean, this is a guy that was committed to Clemson for a while. We were able to flip him in this late in the cycle. So I'm excited about him. I'm excited about all those guys, but I, I kind of agree with you. I think it's last year in green at the top, and there's other guys kind of lumped together. Maybe Everett's somewhere in the middle there because he was here uh, for spring practice, and the other guys, they're going to have to learn a lot. And I don't see them coming out of fall camp as the guy. Now, maybe it's always possible somebody just emerges because so they're just that talented, maybe. I just I have a hard time predicting that right now. Now I'm open to the idea that during the season, if, if Laster or Green, whoever wins the job, if they falter at some point and these guys have some opportunities, I'm open to them can you know growing and improving and and maybe potentially finding a way to take over that job if they get those opportunities. I just don't know if it's going to be coming out of spring practice, opening the season week one against Oregon in the fil a Classic. So, Kurt, I gotta ask you, man, prediction time here. You said last year you think it's a little bit ahead of Green. So when fall camp's all said and done, about a month from now, who starts that cornerback spot?
1: I'm gonna go with Laster. I think that it's gonna take time for Nyland Green to overtake. Like you said, trust was a huge thing, and I think it, I'm not saying that. I think when he got in trouble, it hurt him. You know, and not like that he's a troublemaker or anything. But the when you think Just, of decision making. Decision making, and you lit, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like Kirby, especially when it comes to the defensive backfield, there all that whole the whole group is about trust. And I think Lassiter right now has the trust.
0: I mean, we're about to talk about safety here in a second. Then why does Dan Jackson get a lot of looks at, at safety? Well, they trust him. They trust Dan, and Dan's more talented. Than people give him credit for, but trust is a big factor in Dan Jackson opening fall camp as a starter as safety, which. That's a great segue. Let's go ahead and move there, Curtis. So let's stay in the of backfield. Let's break down this battle at safety. I think this is an interesting one, Curtis. I really do. Chris Smith, I think it's fair to say, has got one spot locked down. Are you with me there?
1: Absolutely. I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Chris Smith's got one spot locked down. Walk on Dan Jackson, who I just mentioned. He left the spring as the starter opposite Chris Smith. But I would tend to categorize that as a rather tenuous hold on that position with a number of highly touted youngsters seeing blood in the water, seeing their opportunity here with Lewis seeing moving on to the NFL as a first-round draft pick. You got David Daniel. You got Malachi Starks as a true freshman coming in. Ja'Cory Thomas, another true freshman that wasn't as highly rated as Malachi Starks, but the coaches are high on him. I'm actually high on him coming out of high school. And then the most intriguing name to me here, Curtis, is Tyke Smith. who missed all of last year with various injuries the last one being an ACL tear that cost him the entire season so Kurt let's open with this at safety how likely is it that Dan Jackson dirty Dan himself holds on to that spot through fall camp and goes into the week one matchup against Oregon as the starter at safety
1: did you ask what the percentage is
0: well you can give me a percentage like, how or likely just, is it that Dan Jackson holds on to that
1: spot I think it's unlikely I just think that the difference is is He's not competing against as many freshmen, it, it, which is why I say it's very unlikely because if Taiki Smith's able and healthy to go, that's going to change a lot too, especially with William Poole in the, back, in the back end. And then at the same time, I think someone like David Daniel, who's been in the system for a year, it, it opens up more avenues, more doors for the coaches to be a little creative with these guys with their skill set and things.
0: I think it's fair to say that the other options at safety are more talented than Dan Jackson. Like from a physical standpoint, they're more physically gifted, I think is, I guess, how I would phrase it. I think that's a pretty fair way to look
1: at it. I could see Dan seeing, you know, in dime packages, things like that. But the original two on the field, I don't know if it's him um, realistically because that's my biggest thing is, He's not much different from Chris Smith, realistically, and you need more of a center field center fielder back there. And right now, I don't know if you have that either between those two.
0: Yeah, that's if you don't have a guy that's as rangy as a guy like Richard Account was for sure. You don't have anyone like that. Yeah, but I think they both have. And then, an then even last year, table. Yeah, 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 for sure, a hundred percent. Who do you, right, so? If you're not big on Dan Jackson right now, if you don't think he holds on to that spot, who is the biggest contender? to take that job from him.
1: I'm going to go with David Daniel. I think Tyke Smith is a big option, but I think star fits him better because he, he's more compact in his body type. Um, But I think someone like David Daniel is versatile. He's he's more lanky, but he's also very athletic and very fast. And I think he's still a thumper in my opinion. Um, So I think that that's someone, I think David Daniel is the one to really watch. I mean, he was already, you saw him being pushed out a lot of times last year.
0: He got a little bit of playing time last year, and you're right. The thumper part is legit, man. Like He's not a particularly big guy, but he brings the wood, man. He will lay you out, and he. I think he moves very well. I was impressed with what I saw from him last year. I know it was a small sample size. I like the athleticism. I like the the range he had in his game. I like the physicality in his game. I think he's going to be a good player for us. And it certainly would not surprise me if he ends up winning the shot. It wouldn't surprise me if any of these guys do. I mean, honestly, I think Malachi Starks is the most physically gifted of the options back there. And mm-hmm. he was here for Absolutely. the spring. I just don't know if he's ready. Like, like, how much of a chance would you give Starks to, to make enough of a move to open the season as a starter at, at safety?
1: I don't think I'm really ready to give him as much. I think yeah, I'm not either. Um, I may be wrong. Did he enroll early? He did. He was here in the spring. That's what I thought. Um, I'm just not ready because, especially in safety, that is the biggest position. I mean, you saw someone that we actually trusted in 2018 blow it by, yes, the quarterback got beat, but the safety wasn't in that position. So you realize how important the safety is in the back end of this uh, our system.
0: Yeah, it, but it for, for stars it simply comes down to how quickly can he learn the system and gain the coach's trust? Because, again, I think it—I don't want to say it's clear— but I feel strongly in saying he's the most physically gifted of the options back there. So if he can figure it out and he can do it consistently and the coaches trust him, he absolutely could make a move. I just I think it's hard to project at this point. We're talking about a freshman. This is not a slight on him. We're talking, this is a true freshman, guys. It's tough. It's tough to play that position as a true freshman in the SEC. He's got the skill set to do it. It's just a matter of getting comfortable in the system and knowing what to do and and just – Again, earning the coaches of the trust earning the trust of the coaches back there, but Curtis, I'll go back to Tyke Smith there, man. I think he is the most intriguing name at this position. You mentioned mm. star position i i am I'm intrigued by Tyke because I think he has that versatility. I think obviously we recruited him to play the star position. he got injured, and we know didn't go well for him there. we had to start with brainy and Brey ends up losing that job, and William Poole steps in and I thought played well down the stretch for us, made a big stop late in the fourth quarter against Alabama to help us win that game An underrated play in that national championship game. But Tykey Smith, where do you see him fitting in this defense? Is it more at safety or is it more at the star position? Where's his opportunity going to come?
1: I say the star position because I think Poole has a little bit more versatility maybe um, than Tyke Smith, because you've seen Poole at cornerback. So I think that he can make a move to safety I think he has that more of where he can fit most positions in the defensive backfield. Where I think Smith is a little bit more limited.
0: Pulls longer. He's he's got the link to his game, which I think is a, a huge benefit for him. He's certainly he's just a longer player than Tyke is. I think Tyke might be a better, a little bit of a better athlete. And that's tough though, because you, you can go back and watch some tape from West Virginia, but we never we haven't really seen him in the georgia uniform curse it's just it's a mystery to me it's that's why he's a wild card he's the ultimate wild card to me i don't know what to think here and i haven't really seen much of him at all at safety so we hear he can play that position and his body tells you, you can do that but i just don't know he's coming off the acl tear that's also going to factor in here i just don't know i know this guy was a third team all american coming out of west virginia in the transfer over to georgia last year and he's a talented player and you got to think we we have to find a way for him to fit into this system some way, somehow to get some playing time. I just don't know where it's going to be. I'm with you. I think that star is a more natural position for him. And I think there's more opportunity for playing time there, to be honest with you. Curtis, You got William pool, maybe you got Javon Bullard there as well, who played well in spot duty as a freshman. But I mean, guys, William Poole was here for four years without really doing anything on the field. So is he talented enough Curtis to hold off? Tyke Smith, if Tyke returns fully healthy.
1: It's going to be very difficult. I know he did some good things, but he also did some really bad things. Um so there's going to be a he's got to be at the top of his game um realistically because I think last year it, he benefited by the fact that the competition wasn't as fierce
0: at the star position. Yeah, I'll give I'll give pull this. I thought he he got picked on at times against Alabama in the SEC Championship mm-hmm. game. He wasn't a disaster in that game, but he wasn't particularly effective. I thought he improved with each game that he played. I thought he was better in the orange ball. And I thought he was much better in the national championship game. So maybe this is a situation where you got a guy like William Poole who knows the defense inside now and just needs those game reps to grow more comfortable and continue to improve. So maybe the more reps he gets in actual game games, maybe he continues to improve. But I do think Tykey Smith might be – I think his best option to find playing time in the secondary is going to be at star. I think there's less competition there. I think that he is probably a better fit at star than at safety, even though he could play safety. But I'm going to be watching him very closely because he's just a wild card to me. I just don't know what to think because I haven't really had a chance to see this guy play, to be honest with you. I've seen a little bit of tape from him at West Virginia, but there's not much there. And I just don't know. He's the ultimate wild card to me. But, all right, Kirk, one more thing on safety before we move on here. Prediction time. We've got, are, are you, I mean, maybe I should assume this. Are you cool with saying that Chris Smith is going to open the season as one of the starters at safety?
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Okay, so we've got that down. So who is it, who's your prediction to come out of fall camp and open the season as a starter opposite Chris Smith?
1: Mm. I'm going to go with David Daniel. You're going
0: David Daniel. Okay, make the case for Daniel over Dan Jackson for me.
1: I think that outside of trust, it's hard to look there and say, what does Dan Jackson do better than David Daniel? And then when you're comparing those, you also have to look at how much better is is David Daniel at all, every single one of those categories, realistically, than Dan Jackson. And I think that's going to be the biggest difference maker is that I think that he it's not like a 50-50 toss-up battle, but it's more like a 70-30. Most of the things are in the favor of David Daniel and trust being the only thing that kind of somewhat makes it even. Because I, he's I, I know Dave uh, don't get me wrong Dan Jackson is very fast and quick which I don't think people realize but Daniel is fat he's more athletic he's faster I think he has better ball skills I think he's longer lankier. um I think he he hits harder I mean I'm not re- say say he hits harder but I think he's ready to come in and make the tackles that need to um and I think that's the biggest think reason why is I just think that he can do everything Dan Jackson can do but better.
0: That's a strong argument, man. I, I will agree with you in that David Daniel, from a physical standpoint, is more gifted really across the board than Dan Jackson is. But I will say again, I think Dan Jackson is an underrated good athlete. I don't think people give him credit yeah. for being as good of an athlete as he is. I think it's the walk-on thing. It's like with Stetson. It's like, oh, he's
1: a walk-on, so he can't be that good. There's a reason he's a walk-on. Well, I mean, yeah. well, And that's like people well, okay. people never want to give him credit for how fast he is or something when realistically he is actually very quick.
0: Yeah, he moves very well. He moves very well. He's a smart player back there. And I go, I know I keep saying it, but I'm going back to the trust thing. And, Curtis, here's what I would say. I think my answer, my prediction is going to be Dan Jackson coming out of fall camp going into week one because of who we play. That's a legitimate team that we're playing, Curtis, in week one. Oregon and Atlanta. That's a big-time matchup. I don't know if the coaches want to put David Daniel in that position that early. I think he could work into a rotation of sorts. But I think Dan Jackson is talented enough and athletic enough and, and knows the system enough to hold off these other guys, who I think are more talented, and I'll give them that, at least through fall camp and open the season. But I'm also not going to sit here and tell you that Dan Jackson holds on to that starting job all year long. Like We saw this with with um, Latavius Breeny last year, Curtis, right? So he opened the season, did some good things early, but... The more talented options started to rise to the top there. And he, and obviously it was William Poole that ends up taking that job because, I mean, like Brady just really wasn't playing well from about the midpoint of the season on. And eventually the coaches made the move there. Fortunately, it didn't cost us a game. We made, we made the move before it did. So I could see a situation where Dan opens the season, but as these other guys get more opportunities and they get more reps in practice and more reps in games, they earn the coaches' trust then maybe they start to potentially slowly but surely take that job from Dan Jackson. I think Dan Jackson is going to be a major factor for our defense, however it shakes out, whether he starts or not. Like you mentioned, he's going to be in the dime package no matter what. He's going to be that money defender. But I'm going to say he's going to hold them off for the time being through fall camp. But I think once you towards the middle of the season, all bets might be off there. That's That's kind of where I am with that. So that's the first two position battles that we're going to discuss here today on the show. We've got a lot more to go through, but before we move on, I've got to remind all of our guys and gals listening out there about our good friends at Alumni Hall, who provide you the ultimate bulldog shopping experience. With the 2022 season now officially less than a month away, guys, that is music to my ears. Time is running out for you to get your new game day gear before kickoff against Oregon on September 3rd. And the Alumni Hall is doing you guys a solid as they are running an exclusive countdown to kickoff promotion for listeners of the Glory UGA podcast where you get 15% off on all purchases from now until kickoff on September 3rd. All you've got to do is type in the promo code Glory UGA with no spaces when you check out online or just say Glory UGA when you check out in store. This isn't one of those flash sales that is over before you even see the deals available to you. This is a full, long, month exclusive deal for you guys, the most diehard fans in the Bulldog Nation. And new gear is coming in seemingly every single day to Alumni Hall. They've got the new early season Nike polos in stock. They've got some great premium polos from brands like Southern Tide, Peter Millar, Johnny O. I was in store on Monday And I picked up a brand new black Johnny O Polo. I am extremely excited about it. It's a premium, soft, flexible, dry fit polo. I love me some Johnny O. I know a lot of you guys are into Peter Millar, and Johnny O is similar. I just prefer Johnny O. It doesn't flare at the bottom as much as I think Peter Millar does. I actually think it was a couple of guys that used to work for Peter Millar that started Johnny O, and they're doing a fantastic job. And Alumni Hall has by far the best selection of Johnny O gear, Johnny O Georgia gear that you're gonna find anywhere. So they got a ton of awesome options for you, whatever it is that you prefer So don't waste any more time, guys. Don't wait until your size is out of stock. I've been guilty of that in the past. I taught myself how to buy in something. It's like, all right, man, you've already bought too much. You can get this later. And you come back later. And alumni hall, I mean, they got a lot of customers. It's a popular place. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're out of your size. You don't want to wait for that. Everyone wants to get their Georgia gear right now because we're under a month from kickoff. So do yourself a favor. Don't wait. Get your stuff right now. Don't be left kicking yourself when you wait too long. So take advantage of our exclusive promo, Glory UGA, no spaces, while you still can, by shopping the largest, most diverse selection of Georgia gear anywhere in existence.
1: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore.
0: All right, Kurt, let's keep it on defense, man. Inside linebacker is a major question mark for this mm. team heading into the 2022 Goodness, season. Because, this is major yeah, we're,
1: competition.
0: Yeah, Kurt, I mean, we're replacing some dudes at that position, and every option we have, here's the thing, man, has essentially no meaningful experience. I mean, I know... Pop and, and Smile got some some run in, in garbage time last year. Tresman was out all year. Ryan Davis was out all year. We've got, I mean, these guys have no meaningful experience. They're all extremely talented. They're all physically gifted. I'm not questioning that. But experience is, I mean, it's marginal at best right now. I think we found maybe one answer in the spring in Pop Dumas Johnson. I feel strongly about him starting at one of those spots. Are you with me there, Curtis? Is Pop, like, is he already kind of locked down one of those spots in your mind?
1: I think he is. I think that he's definitely got some room to improve, but I think that right now, when you look at the pecking order, I think he is the top, uh, top of the line.
0: I mean, he's been the one constant that hasn't been yeah. out with injury, and there's yeah, a, and he I, got a lot of he got a, he got a lot of talk, a lot of buzz during the spring. Coaches seem confident in him, and he was working with the ones all spring long. Now, maybe that was a, by default in some way. So we had so many guys out, but he was a mainstay there. He was the guy that was kind of the rock with with all the uncertainty at that position during the spring. So I feel strongly saying he's going to open the season as the starter at one of those inside linebacker spots. But the other spot, Kurt, is wide open, man. Like, even more so due to the rash of injuries that we dealt with that position the spring. I mean, we had Smile Mond and Ryan Davis. They didn't practice at all in the spring. Uh, true freshman C.J. Washington, who was doing some good things early on in spring camp, he got her, I mean, it was he got actually suffered a serious injury very early in the camp and was out the rest of the time. I don't know if he'll be back at all this year. Tresman Marshall wasn't full go until about halfway through spring drills. He did open G day as a starter there, opposite Pop. But who do you see, Curse? Who do you see as the guy emerging as that starter opposite Demas Johnson?
1: You know, I, I, I believe I may be wrong, but I I was on the hype train for Smale um, yeah. in the spring, and I, I'm gonna you know, I'm going to hunker down and I'm going to stick with that. I think that right now, I think that that's the guy to watch.
0: I'm with you, man. Um, I think from an athleticism standpoint, he's a step above everyone else in that room. And that's not like a shot at the other guys. They're all very athletic. They're all, I mean, they're, they have physical talent just oozing from their pores. And these guys are the real deal from that kind of, from that physical giftedness standpoint. But Mondan's a different level. I mean, he's just a different level kind of athlete. I mean, talk about moving side to the sideline, a space linebacker, being able to play in coverage. He is that guy. I I'm slightly concerned about the fact that he missed spring practice because I mean that's that slows down the development, Curtis. Like a guy who had not really played a ton yeah. in his career, he needed that because he was raw coming out of high school at that position. I mean, he played, he was he was one of those guys in high school, played, he was the best player on his team by far. So he played. A lot of offense, a lot of defense, and just kind of running around just being a better athlete than everybody. He was raw at inside linebacker. He needed that development. So there is a level of concern for me in that regard with him. I have zero concerns from an athleticism standpoint. But I think at the end of the day, he will emerge as that guy to start opposite Pop. That's my prediction. I'm there with you. I know Tresvin Marshall is going to factor in as well. He, again, opened uh, G-Day as a starter next to Pop. But I just think Smile has just that extra gear that Tresman might not have. And Tresman is, is a good athlete himself. He's kind of reshaped his body a little bit coming out of Clinch County when he was in high school. He, he's a bigger in high school, and just his body was just not where it needed to be. But he's reshaped his body and a good job with the strength and conditioning program. So he'll be in the conversation as well. But here's the thing, guys: I think we're going to go back to having a rotation like we had in the early Kirby Smart years, not just a three-guy rotation, maybe a four, I don't know, maybe even a five-guy. How deep do you think the rotation is going to go at inside linebacker this year?
1: I could see it going pretty deep because right now I think that when you're especially when you're looking at Pop, who right now is our guy, he right now is showing more of the Monty Rice um, archetype. And yeah. I just don't know if you can keep him on the field in passing situations consistently. Um, so, I, And when that's your number one guy, then that shows that there's going to be some type of deep rotation because if, you, if your number one guy can't stay on the field at all times, then that right there is putting it almost in three and four deep rotation realistically.
0: Here's who I feel good about. I think Pop's going to be in there, obviously. I feel very strongly in yeah. some way, shape, or form. If he doesn't start, Smile's going to be in there. Tresman, how do you feel about Tresman?
1: I think he'll be in there. Um, yeah. I think his yeah. biggest thing is going to be staying healthy, as we've seen with him throughout his career yeah. so far. Him and yeah.
0: Ryan Davis. I, mean, I think Ryan Davis is a talented guy. I was really high on him go to high school, but he's been injured his entire career at Georgia. It sucks for him. I hate it for him, but he has. Here's a name that I'm really interested in, Curtis. Zavian Sori. I felt he was kind of a tweener mm-hmm. coming out of high school, inside linebacker, outside linebacker. I feel like he could play both. Do you think he can factor in the rotation?
1: I think so. Personally, I do. I'm curious. To get I, to I <laughs> think he can. I just think that he. it's one of those. I know it's not up to him, but as soon as he gets dialed in at a particular position, it's just a matter of when, not if, Yeah. when it comes to that.
0: Yeah. I'm not going to like her. I I'm, think like it would not shock me if Sori actually ended up winning one of the starting jobs. I think he's that talented. I just – Right now, I think I think Smile, based off the playing time he got last year, because it was him and Pop that were the were the number four and five guys in inside linebacker for us last year. I know he was injured in the spring, but the athleticism, the I mean, we're talking about marginal experience, but it's more experience really than the other guys have. I think it might give him a slight edge there, but it would not shock me at all if it was Soria or if it was Tresman. I think all four of those guys I feel good about being in the rotation. Here's another wild card, Curtis. True freshman Jalen Walker. Can he make a move?
1: I have heard – I know practice literally just started today, Thursday, but I've heard some buzz around him. You know, in the in the off, in the, the summer so far. Yeah.
0: and he was another early, early enrollee. He was here in the spring. I heard some good things from from, from some folks who were on the program about his his upside, his potential. He wasn't there in the spring, um, in terms of like just being ready to be that guy because he was learning. That's what being an early enrollee is all about. It's about learning and being ready to to kind of hit the ground running in fall camp. So I'm curious to see how much spring helped him and put him in a position to open fall camp as a guy that can make a move into that rotation because he's an extraordinarily athletic guy in his own right. I mean, I th- when we signed him, I told you guys, I think I thought he was the next great Georgia linebacker, and I, and I stand by that right now. He's just got to learn. That's, that's my only concern for him being a true freshman, but I think he's a guy as the season goes on and he does get more and more comfortable with the defense that he's going to play more and more, and I think by the end of the season he will be in the rotation to some degree. And it's hard to predict exactly what that's going to look like, but I do think he'll find himself in that rotation. All right, Curtis, the last position I want to look at on the defense is the five-tech defensive end position. Trayvon Walker was a rock for us there last year in route to being the number one overall pick. Whoever wins this job we know has some major shoes to fill. So, Curtis, who are the names that people need to watch out for in this battle at the five-tech?
1: This is going to be one heck of a battle. The thing that really stands out to me, I mean, first, I believe Tyrion Ingram Dawkins is going to be someone that's going to have to show out like he did in the spring there consistently. Agreed. But I think another thing is gonna come down to is people like me uh Michael Williams is do we put him there?
0: I know you were on vacation, Curtis. I think were you on vacation for SEC Media Days or is that when you were grinding for the for that
1: bar? It was right before I took the exam. Okay,
0: right before you took the exam. So I don't know how much how close are you were paying attention to that because I know you had other things. I know on Kirby I know
1: Kirby I, yeah. I know Kirby took a moment to Talk about Michael Williams
0: and Curtis. How many times in the history of his life have you seen Kirby Smart do that voluntarily with a true freshman who has not played a snap for Georgia?
1: Um, never, because he is huge on de-recruiting kids once they get there and not letting them. I mean, Brock Bowers. Everyone knew the name from the spring um, if you were in the program, and yet no, he, you know, he was never talked about.
0: Like you're exactly right, Curtis. Literally, never. I have n- I watch every single interview this man has ever done as head coach of Georgia, and I have never heard him talk about it about any true freshman in that regard at any point in the season, let alone before he's ever even played a game before he hit fall camp. That was eye opening to me, and I already told you guys he was a guy I picked when we we did our Sunday recap to be like the guy who made the biggest impact this season. And I think it, you know, Kirby saying that did not temper my expectations and excitement for Michael Williams. I also think this position is wide open. Curtis. I don't think there's an obvious answer to replace Trevon Walker. I think Michael is going to get a lot of looks. Terry Minger and Dawkins. You mentioned him first, Curtis. That's a guy that I was really impressed with at G day. This is a guy that I didn't honestly come to spring practice. I didn't know exactly what to expect from him. I knew he was an undersized defensive tackle when We recruited him. I thought he needed to gain some weight. It seems like he's kind of found a home at that five tech spot. He has some versatility on passing downs. We can slide him inside in those situations as well to kind of give us a little more pass rush on the interior. I am very intrigued by him. I think he's going to be a big time player for us there. Honestly, I think Mike and Ingram Dawkins are probably the top two guys there. Where does that leave? Shamel Walthauer curse who backed up Trayvon last year.
1: He's just going to be a guy that's going to give them breathers, realistically. I mean, maybe he steps up and plays more, but I haven't seen enough from him realistically to say that he's actually going to be a true difference maker or a true um, part of this competition.
0: He's not a difference maker. I mean, let's just call what Jamel what he is. and He's a valuable piece. You've got to have guys like that 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 have the big the frame that's the hard thing about finding that guys for that position you got to find the guy that has the frame Chamel has that frame he doesn't have the athleticism that michael williams and terry ingram dawkins have it, those guys have they are a different level but tremel can still fill a role guys we got to rotate guys and now keep guys fresh and he is strong enough against the run he gives you a little bit of a pass rush as well i'm not gonna he's not it's not like he's a, a subpar athlete he's just not at michael and ingram dawkins level he's just not there so i, I know he has experience but I think experience matters less at that position. If you're physically able to play that spot, which I mean, Michael is a big, strong, athletic dude. I think he can hold up right now. Ingram Dawkins has been here for a year or two. So he's got a little bit of time under his belt. I think those guys are the top two options for me at Five Technique. Tramel's going to play. I just don't think he's going to start. That's just me personally. But
2: you're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.
0: All right, Curtis, we spent the majority of our time focusing on the defensive position battles, and for good reason, man. Like, we did just lose eight players to the NFL draft, five guys in the first round, lest we forget. We have 73% of our offensive production returning this year compared to only 44% of our defensive production, which is why we spend the majority of our time on the defensive side of the ball. But the offense is not entirely without its questions either. And I think the biggest question for the offense comes at the guard positions. Not position, plural, positions, both guard spots. We do technically return one starter in Warren Erickson, but... I mean, Curtis, we've said this many times. We both have serious questions about his long-term viability (laughs) at that spot, to say the least. Uh, So I think the good thing is, like at pretty much every position with the way that we recruit, there are no shortage of options, of talented options to work with and choose from here. We know Tate Ratledge is back. Devin Willick has really impressed coaches. Xavier Trust has seemingly always been in these conversations, but has just never quite been able to nail one down. Micah Morris is another guy there. Marius Mims, who entered the transfer portal briefly. He's now back in the picture. So there's a lot of options here, Curtis. But first things first, how likely is it, Curtis? I think I know your answer, but let's just get it on record. How likely is it that Warren Erickson holds on to one of these starting spots at offensive guard in your estimation?
1: I mean, I can't even answer that because I don't even know if he has a position there to hold on to. Um, I think, you're you know, right. what you're kind of hearing. I know it's just the first day of practice, but that he wasn't even repping at guard at all. Yeah. But realistically, realistically, to give an answer, everyone knows my opinion. I'm, I, you know, I'm not to say I pick on someone every year, but he may be my Justin Schaefer of this year. Um, I think That's fair to say. But I just don't, I just don't see it, you know, v- being very likely because we have recruited some big guys that could have played tackle that may could play guard, and then with Tate Rattledge, hopefully staying healthy. It just, I, it, It's just not, you can't, seniority is important, yes, but you can't do it at the detriment of your team. And I think that, unfortunately, that's where he falls.
0: Yeah, I think you're right, man. I mean, experience does matter, trust matters, but you also have to be talented enough to for that to even factor in. And I just don't know, and I've said this many times, he's just, he's not a fitted guard. He's a center prospect all the way, and he's just a liability because he just doesn't have the size, doesn't have the mass, doesn't have the girth, doesn't have that there, and that's, it's just the way his body is. And he, I appreciate everything that he did for us, all that he's put on the line for us, and all the work he's done for us. But I just, I think we have better options there. I'm with you. So, Curtis, next question. If it's not Erickson, then who are the guys at guard?
1: I think, in my opinion, you have to look at, of course, Tate Routledge, who I previously mentioned. And then you have to take into account Devin Willick and Xavier Trust right now, are the I think that they are the two guys that are competing most for that guard position opposite Ratledge.
0: I feel very strongly about Tate Ratledge. I think if I had to pick one of these guys, say I feel most confident being one of the starters at guard is Tate Ratledge. We've said several times throughout the I offseason. Who, yeah, he was he was a starter to open last season at guard. I I've been told several times. I mean, rumor I know, has it he was him. our
1: rumor has it he was our best offensive lineman yeah, last year at I'm the told. time.
0: Yeah, 100%. He gets hurt in the Clemson game early in that game. We know what happened there. If he's back 100% healthy, which it seems like he's getting there, if not all the way there, close to that, then I feel strongly he'll be one of those guards, probably right guard, which is where he was last year. So that left guard spot's interesting. You mentioned Devin Willick. I've heard a lot. I I was hearing during the season last year that our coaches were extremely high on this guy. I thought he had... Long-term, had a lot of potential at that spot. He got some run during spring practice. G-Day, I think, was a mixed bag for him. I think he's got to work on his footwork a little bit and and work on that set a little bit, getting out of that stance and be a little quicker there. But size-wise, he solves the size problem, Curtis. We're talking about a 335-pound dude. He's a big freaking dude. So I think he's a guy to watch very closely, that left guard spot. Xavier Truss, like I said, is always in the conversation. He's never out of it. He He also solves the size issue. Um, but at this point, like if he hasn't won it yet, like, is he going to, you know, at this point, it's just like, he's a talented guy, but it seems like there's always just somebody who's just slightly more talented, but, but he'll be an option. There's no doubt there. I think the wild card here, Curtis is a Marius Mims. I know long-term we see him as a tackle, mm. but there's not a tackle spot open right now. Can he some way find himself into the guard position and win a job there to open the season?
1: I sure hope he really gives it a, a go, Because I think realistically, just getting on the field and getting live reps is so important. You've seen it with Salyer, you've seen it with Isaiah Wynn, and for all these other guys. You've even seen it at Alabama with some guys maybe being right tackle or guards that moved out to tackle later, you know, after a year or two. Um, It's just extremely important, I think, to get those live reps. And I think that it would would, would behoove him to do it.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's got a shot. He's that physically talented and gifted. He's got a shot. Um, he's got to overtake some of these guys who've who got a little bit of an edge on him right now because he did miss you know, half his spring practice with the whole I'm going to transfer thing. So he's back on the team. That's great. I've heard he's worked really hard in the summer. I'm excited to see what he can do. He might be our most physically talented offensive lineman. So it'd be great if he was ready to earn a spot. But he's got to earn it. So you got to watch there. Here's another wild card name real quick, Curtis. Dylan Fairchild. They just did the maxes a couple of days ago. I was told he was the strongest guy on the team. I think he was like a, I was like four, over think- 450 bench, like a 675 squat. Former 7A state champion wrestler. You guys know I've said before, I'm very yeah. big on wrestlers cuz those guys are just physical and nasty and they grind and they know how to work. Just don't forget that name. I think he's the forgotten name. I, yeah, that that guy's that world.
1: guy's my like d- deep dark wild card and it's all the yeah. reasons you mentioned. I remember back when we signed him thinking like by the time this guy leaves, he's going to start at Georgia at one of the guard positions because of that wrestler. And yet, you know, he was just—he's like Ben Cleveland, but more athletic in the bend and everything, flexibility. Yeah.
0: I agree with you, man. I, that's just—just just want to throw that name out there because I don't—I don't, I don't want to—I don't want him to win the job. You're like, dude, you never talked about this guy. That's just a wild card. Watch his name. All right, we got just a minute or two, Kurt, because I know you got to go. But before we get out of here, I want to wrap up with a few really fast, rapid-fire fall camp questions. We know Brock Bowers was the guy that had all the buzz last spring, last fall camp as a true freshman. So who's going to be the true freshman generating all the buzz this fall camp?
1: Well, we already talked about Michael Williams, so I'm going to go with uh, Marvin Jones Jr. I think that's someone that could that could make some buzz. That's a great pick, man. That was my number one answer, too. But Since you went with MJJ,
0: I'm going to go with Branson Robinson. I know that we have... Kendall Milton, and Kenny McIntosh as the the top two guys coming to fall camp, and they will almost certainly be the top two guys going into the season, and they probably should be. Those guys have waited their turn. They're fantastic players in their own right, but Branson Robinson is a monster. He is a physical specimen. I mentioned a few minutes ago talking about Dylan Fairchild that the strength and conditioning program just did their, their max outs. And I was told Branson Robinson was 425 on the bench press, which if you've seen the guy, that's not surprising because he is freaking ripped. He's got a massive upper body. That's not surprising, but just to hear that number 425 is like, whoa, that guy's legit. But he's he's also very fast, incredible feet, great in a short area. I think he's the total package at running back. And I think this guy is going to see the field quite a bit and see the field early he's going to get some touches I think he's going to be one of those guys that's just too talented to keep off the field but all right let's go rapid fire keep this thing going let's stick with the freshman which true freshman that no one is talking about right now is going to start to generate some buzz throughout the course of
1: fall camp Mm, that no one is talking about I think Andrew Paul
0: oh okay the running back late signee that's a good one Kurt I'm gonna go receiver I'm gonna say skill positions let's go Dylan Bell That was my that was my number two guy. Yeah, I I loved his tape coming to high school. He's he's a he's really well put together, strong, physical guy. If he can learn the offense a little bit, I think this guy could potentially factor into the rotation receiver. You know, we play a million guys at receivers. I think he could get some run there at receiver. We saw a guy like Robert Beal last year, curse make a big jump. So, which veteran makes a big jump this fall?
1: Veteran, um, I oh oh, you kind of stumped me with this one. I'm going Arian Smith. Oh, that's a great one. Um I, I'm 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 I know Kendall Milton's been in, but I think he's gonna make a huge jump and stay on the field. I think that's gonna be my guy. Like he's always gotten reps, but I think he's gonna take advantage of it.
0: Yeah, that's another good one, man. We're, we're loaded at running back. We always are. I, I love the top three to four guys there. I'd even maybe throw Dajan Edwards in there, but I love Kenny. I love Kendall. I think Branson's going to be a beast. Dajan is incredibly underrated. And heck, you mentioned Andrew Paul. I really like that guy coming out of high school. I think he was a great late pickup, an underrated prospect late in the cycle. So we're loaded there. But I like the pick of Kendall Milton there. I think that he certainly could have that breakout season that we've all been waiting for. In fact, I I kind of expect that from Kendall. I think this is his money season. I think we're going to see a different version of Kendall Milton here this season. But all right, guys, that is our breakdown of all the major position battles heading into fall camp, a little fall camp preview for you. We're going to have fall camp cover for you guys throughout the next three to four weeks as things start to transpire. We start to hear some names, start to hear some buzz. We'll be recapping each week or so of fall camp here on the show. And keep your questions coming, guys. As things start to, to leak out, you start to hear some information Keep those questions coming on social media. Hit us up on Twitter. It's at glory underscore UGA. You can find us on Instagram at glory UGA podcast. You can also email us at glory UGA podcast at gmail.com. And we're going to try our best to work in some of these questions over the next couple of weeks as we start to recap what's going on during fall camp but thank you guys for being here I'm glad we were able to get the old band back together and get Curtis back on here after a couple of weeks of grinding for the bar exam and then taking a well-deserved vacation it's just fun to get to talk some actual on-field Georgia football Don't forget to do your game day gear shopping at Alumni Hall. Use the promo code GLORYUGA at checkout online or just tell them GLORYUGA. You listen to the GLORYUGA podcast. If you're checking out in person, they'll still hook you up with that 15% off discount. Help support the people that support us. That's a huge way to help this podcast continue to grow and bring you guys our brand of Georgia football content. But thank you again for listening, guys. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. There are just three short weekends left of no college football and four weekends left of no Georgia football. And then we have this beautiful time of year that we call the fall. It might not feel like fall, at least not like fall used to feel like when I was growing up, but it's about to be fall nonetheless. My favorite time of year, your favorite time of year, hands down, unquestionably, the best time of year. And we're going to have you guys covered all season long. So for Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.